If you've been listening to my show, you know that the importer on the back of the bottle is one of the surest ways to guarantee a quality bottle of wine. That's why I'm so excited to tell you about Taub Family Selections. Taub Family Selections is a dynamic, fourth-generation, family-owned wine import company with a truly incredible portfolio of fine wines from 11 countries. These wines not only embody the unique terroir in which they are produced, but the passion and integrity of each family member involved from vineyard to table. Notable estates include Mastro Berardino, Bertani, Travellini, Ferrari, Coldorcia, Trimbach, Jean-Luc Colombo, Jean-Michel Jarin, among many other renowned producers. They also have from Bordeaux, Lafitte Rothschild from the left bank, and on the right bank, they have Chateau Lafleur. I'm telling you, these guys have it all. To find out even more, go to TaubFamilySelections.com. That's T-A-U-B, FamilySelections.com. I love exceptional storytelling, especially great movies and TV. This is why I'm a huge fan of Psalm TV. Psalm TV is a streaming network focused exclusively on the world of wine, food, and travel. Many call it the Netflix of wine and food, and I couldn't agree more, which is why I am so excited to bring this very special offer to you, my listeners. Simply go to the link in my show notes and use code MJ60, that's MJ60, at checkout and get your first year of Psalm TV at 60% off. That's only $20 for a whole year of beautifully filmed and brilliantly told food and wine stories from around the globe. Sign up now and let the streaming begin. Ross Knoll Vineyard Wines is a female-owned company which produces artisanal Pinot Noirs from exceptional vineyards in the Russian River Valley, handcrafted by winemaker Justin Seidenfeld. I recently had their 2021 Vintage Rosé, and I thought it was fantastic. Go to rossknollvineyard.com and discover their rare production a 2021 Mount Eden clone white Pinot Noir. Also, join their waitlist for the 2021 Pinot Noir, which is presently aging in barrels and will be released later this year. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ and welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is owner of Ross Knoll Vineyard, co-founder and board member of Psalm TV and executive producer for Psalm Films. Please welcome Diane Carpenter. In 2017, Diane and her husband David of 34 years cultivated their own vineyard in Sonoma County, California and planted 3,000 Calera clone Pinot Noir vines. Uh, Diane was an executive producer on Psalm, Into the Bottle, and Psalm 3. She is co-founder and board member of Forgotten Man Films, where they produce the ongoing Psalm series. And in 2019, Diane and her colleagues created Psalm TV. Welcome, Diane. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, 
No, I think that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's quite an introduction. We've, we've pared these down. Like we, like yeah, we, that was, these used that's to be like accurate. the whole yeah. page. Yeah. But we, we, we'll, we'll unpack that. Yeah, I mean, that's a summary talk. of yes. a decade. So, right. that, yeah, that's a summary of yeah. what's really going on. <laughs> Tell us about the wine we're drinking. All right. So, uh, this is what's close to my heart. Is This is what I set out to do a decade ago. Kind of, sort of. Um, so we, um, so, you know, wine changed my life. How far back do you want me to go? Uh, well, just, we'll talk about the wine, but we'll get okay. into like how wine changed your life okay. for sure. All right, we'll just straight that. up tell us what we have okay, here. Okay, right now we are drinking a Rossnell Vineyard, which is my label, rosé. And it's rosé of Calera from the 2020 vintage. So it's 100% Calera. And if you see, we do it in a very Provence style. So very slight maceration of the skins. And um, so we like that pale pink color. It's actually gotten darker. Yeah, it's got like that parasol, like those um, <clears throat> more elegant, you know, and, th- and they're all different styles. But the parasol is when I look at this color, it's that very right. pale. It doesn't take you to Sonoma, yeah, right? Right. No, when you not just, at all. just to look at it. No, no. And, and, and then I was wondering um, if it was Rhone varietals, like if you'd bought the fruit for this, but this is actually a, a rosé of Pinot Noir, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. It's 100% clear. You don't, see, you, don't, you don't see this that light in a, you know, you see a lot of Van Gris from people. Yeah, yeah. It's, know. you know, we wanted to do something, um, it's a very delicate clone, yeah. Calera. So we wanted to do something that was representative of the clone, of the vineyard, of who we are on the nose. And also it's low alcohol, it's 12, 12.5% alcohol. So we pick at a lower bricks, mm-hmm. at the minim- minimum side of the bricks level that we should be picking rosé, for rosé. Right. And, um, yeah, we're super proud of this. Um, this one is Cuvée Chelsea, after our second daughter. The first rosé, we made very little of it, was Cuvée Kimi, because she, she, uh, for her, she was getting married that year. Oh. This was Cuvée Chelsea, because uh, she was graduating law school and starting at her law firm. And 2021 vintage is Cuvée Finn after, <laughs> yeah. I and love this. It's a family. It really is a family every, and affair. This, yeah, this year will be Cuvée David because, sorry, David, I'm going to tell everyone, he's turning 60 this year. <laughs> <laughs> I just revealed his age. It's very competitive in our household. That's uh, so funny. I have to remind I him. mean, does he get upset about that? Like, most dudes don't. No. I mean, he's not an actor, so not like no. he's trying to. No, he's. He looks Book roles darn good. He's a know. good looking man. Yeah, and he, you know he what? He really is. He's young mind. He's got that good hair, that good gray hair. Incredible hair. Silver fox type yeah. thing yeah, going yeah. on. You know, he's a little lorry, but um, he's um, <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good. I'll keep him. I've kept him for a Third, long time. You know, you've had him for a while. Yeah, I met him when I was 14. All right, we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get to we'll talk about that. <laughs> that's, that's a whole thing. We'll get into that. That's, okay. that's a whole thing. All right, so let's... <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. So uh, you were born in the U- UK. Right. Um, whereabouts? I was born in Manchester, mm. but um, I grew up in Sussex, so I have a Sussex accent. I lived, we lived in Manchester for maybe a year, and then we mo- moved south. <clears throat> now, our family in the north of England goes back centuries, and our, my immediate family were the only ones to ever move south, and my sister and I married foreigners. My sister's first husband, and we married foreigners. So we completely broke tradition. Rebels. We were. Rebels. Yeah. So are you um, – <clears throat> so do you watch football? You mean soccer? I mean football. 
English football. Yes, it's oh, football. What? Oh, good. I like that. No, I hate it. Um, so <laughs> I mean, because you're from Manchester, like you're supposed to be like Manchester well, that's Day the thing. die. That, that's why oh, I asked. It's so funny. She hates no, it. I love it. No, no, no. <laughs> I hate it because I was surrounded by it. My my father, oh. my brother, everybody was so into football, and it just like on the weekends dominated. It felt like it dominated like, that in golf. My parents <laughs> were ever golf players. And my and so I don't play golf. Hate golf, and I hate f- f- football. <laughs> and they say childhood doesn't affect you, right? <laughs> I don't know who says that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tell me about your upbringing. Um, what were you like as a child? Um, were you precocious? I was. Um, my husband calls me a force of nature, and my grandmother would say the same thing. Um, I grew up in a very kind of formal traditional. English setting where okay. women had a place. I mean, that's how it was. That's how I grew up. And um, I knew at a very young age that what was happening around me was very wrong and not how I wanted to be. And so I was always looking, if you like, others would call it rebelling, mm-hmm. because I knew that there was something else. I knew that this was not my destiny. And um, I had to figure out what that destiny was. And, um, you know, I, I remember the way women were being treated, and my my mother, uh, um, she passed away 16 years ago. But she, my mother, even my mother was male chauvinist. But but she was, my dad was a better version of a man than her father. Her father, mm-hmm. you know, she was a woman and a waste of space, and there wasn't a lot of affection there. So so when she met my dad. You know, he was a better version of a man, but he was still a chauvinist. And she kind of agreed with that because, I guess, because of her upbringing. And um, and I always remember, I used to challenge my mom and dad and say, I don't, why do men make more money for the same job? I mean, I this is a 10-year-old. I used to ask these questions and ask challenging questions. And my mom, same answer, because he's a man, Diane. He's a man. I'm like, no, but they're doing the same job, right? <laughs> But he's a man. And I always got the same answer. And um, so, and also about racism was the same. Not my family. My family, not at all. But we were surrounded by it, absolutely surrounded by racism. And um, I used to challenge those questions too, as to ask why, you know. And, and I think, so that kind of, people used to think of me as a rebel. And then I hated school. I found it very boring. And that's because <laughs> I really hadn't found what I wanted to do. Right. I'm, so, I'm somebody to this day who doesn't really like to be told what to do. But, but I loved art. Art, English, literature, and French were my strengths. And that's what I focused on. Um, I went through a phase when I was in art school. and um, But you know what? That phase had to happen in order for me to move forward my life it was one of the most important phases of my life I don't remember much about it if you get what I mean but um but it um but definitely sounds like a short strange trip trip <laughs> yeah 19 early 1980s I would say so um but, uh, we've um, all had not phase. all of us but I think a lot of if you're creative you probably had a phase you do but you know you what know? Did it, got it out of my system, yeah. over it, yep. and I've never been in any part of that phase yeah. since I was 21 years of age. Oh, good for you. I I liked, I, long, I had a long phase. <laughs> <laughs> 
and people are rephasing. I was saying, yes, right. <laughs> people are rephasing yeah. now, right? So, yeah. and but you know what? I I I did it. Been there, done that. Yeah. It was part of what I needed to experience with the kind of person that I was yeah. at the time. Came through it, um, and um, and those years were very informative. Yeah. But I, I met some of the best people I ever met through those years. Yeah. And I was one of the large. You, Do you know the Stonehenge Festival that used to happen in England? Yes. Yeah, I was one of the last people to be kicked out of the Stonehenge <laughs> Festival. I'm very, pr I'm very you proud. Should, of I'm very proud of that. I was very. It's like your Woodstock. Yeah. This is like yeah. an annual thing. Yeah. And I was very proud of that. And um, because you know, so actually festivals are more prominent in Europe than they were oh, in amazing. the states. I mean, they're. I mean, that's a he, huge festival oh, culture over there. Pre-COVID, huge music you know. following in yeah. the UK. People dance well. Uh, most people sing well. I don't. But most people, you know, sing well. They're just – music is a big part of our lives. We always have it on in the background. Yeah. You know, it, music changes your mood, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was – I forgot who we had on – oh, um, I don't know. I've had a lot of these conversations. But music comes up a lot and I was telling somebody um, – Music is an anchor. Like you can hear a song you heard, like the first time you heard a song, 1980, you can remember where you were when you heard oh, that yeah. song. It just, it takes, yeah. it takes you right back. It's the same thing with wine, like the, the sense in wine. Um, I think music and smell are two things that anchor you can take you oh right gosh, to yes. that moment. Um, I could not agree more. I, there are, so there's one perfume scent takes me to my mom. Yeah. And, um, Like, like I said, all along the watchtower, mm -hmm. takes me to Stonehenge, yeah. takes me to that phase in my life, really happy phase. Um, just, yeah, music has this so much um, power behind those things. Yeah, I think it is a universal language. Yeah. Like, I know it's said, but I don't think people yeah. actually get, like, it cuts across everything, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, um, and I, it's the commonality. I mm -hmm. mean, you can't be divided... You know, uh, there's no money in it. There's no race in it, no ethnicity, you know, no issues, no religious issues necessarily. It's something that we all have in common, which we can say the same and about wine. This, and that's the same thing with same wine. Same about wine. Yeah, I, that's what, that's kind of my, was my foray into this was like music and wine are so wonderful. There's because a connection. There's a connection and you can, you They bring people together. They do. And then when you, people come together, you can have conversations. Right. You know, so. Absolutely. Um, so, where did you do university over there, or did you? In, in... I went to art school. Okay. So it's, it was different in England when I was growing up. Okay. So only five percent of students went to university. Most people went off to specialize in something. Right, vocational. We call that vocational education, vocational. Okay. Here. Yeah. And they went on to succeed. I mean, really succeed. Um, I was that, you know, hippie kind of. Spoiled, um, young English girl who lived and loved life and went to art school. How many did you have siblings? How many? I had two siblings. Oh. Um, my sister uh, Lisa, she lives in British Columbia, Whistler, British Columbia, mm -hmm. and my brother lives in North London, a place um, called Harpenden, North London. Uh, now, and they're older. I was say so. You're just the, to be you're, clear, you, I, was, I was like when you said you're that girl, you were the baby. When you yeah, said you're the baby yeah, of the yeah. family, as was David, right. both the babies of the family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what's art school like there? Is it is it is it a program like is it is it how long does it take to to finish art school? It's three years. Okay, yeah, it's three years. Um, I I studied um, fine art. I worked with oils, and I also did drawings and things. 
Wow, we're finding out so much about Diane Carpenter. You didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so, how old were you when you moved to the States? 22. Um, and why did you move to the United States? Because of my man. <laughs> just, I'm going against everything I said earlier, right, about my upbringing. And, you know, no, no, but seriously, um, it's, a, it's a fairy tale story. Well, it, I love a good fairy tale. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cancer. I'm romantic. I love a oh, love story. this is like Come on. so bring romantic. It, bring it on. Okay. Um, so my sister and I, we went to um, school in Switzerland um, when we were in high school. And um, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you my husband's version of the story because it's much more interesting. Um, <laughs> so what, he, he'll tell you that he went to a girls' boarding school in Switzerland, and which is true. There were 100 girls and 20 and guys. And he's American, right? He's American. Okay. So his father worked for Nestle in Switzerland, okay. and um, he was one of the day students. There were 20 guy day students. So there were five girls to every guy. And not all these guys were super good looking, by the way, I might add, but they had really like beautiful girlfriends and um, well, those odds I mean well you know what I have to tell you those 20 guys to this day are the most confident med successful guys <laughs> on the planet it's unbelievable I, how I it them. really helped them but so when we got the school um, prospectus I was looking through like I wonder if there's any English people at this school and I saw the name David Carpenter it's the only name I remembered in the book so on the first day of school I asked this girl next to me, I remember her name was Sarah Johnson. I said to her, Sarah, who's David Carpenter? And in that moment, I can still see it. He walked around the corner and he's, got, he's holding his books on his hip over here. And I fell in love in that moment. And I knew that's the guy. I was 14. I knew that's the guy I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. So moving forward, I was a shy English girl and he was... I'd never met Americans before, and they were loud. And, but were? Fun. I know. Were. But for me, I know. But so much fun. And they were always having fun. And I just thought, well, there's no way he's going to be interested in me. I mean, the competition's too high. And, um, and so I would just stare at him longingly. And, and I never saw him look back. But apparently, when I looked away, he was looking at me. I remember his 17th birthday. And um, so the nightlife in Switzerland for these high school kids is they get into nightclubs because they're the ones who are buying the tables and the champagne and whatnot, you know. And so um, one of the guys bought a table that night and we all went to this uh, nightclub in Lausanne, Switzerland, where we were. And um, I got asked to dance by seven guys. The eighth guy was David. And he came up to me and he held my hand. And I refused all the other. So I was like, no flipping way. And, um, and David came up to me and I remember he held my hand. He said, Diane, will you dance with me? I was like, yes. And, <laughs> and honestly, and my girls are going to be mortified when I tell the story. But we went on the dance floor and we were just like making out. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most incredible thing that's ever happened to me. And it was such incredible, genuine passionate love wow I incredible love anyway one year later he dumps me <laughs> oh yeah so he goes to university in the states all right so you know we um but before he left we had this pact that 
um, back then he was actually going to be the president of the United States and then he started smoking pot and so that changed. But so so he um, he decided, you know, he's going to, four years undergraduate, then he's going to go to law school. So we had this pact that no matter where our lives took us, after seven years we would get back together at least to see if there was still a connection. We would still see each other in Switzerland and things. Mm-hmm. But so he dumped me, broke my heart. And my best friends will tell you I'm still not over it, and I'm not. I was 16. Well, you, you're sure telling the world. <laughs> I, I am. Awesome. I am. I, I am. I am not over it. <laughs> anyway, skip forward. He goes to law school. We get back together. We do get back together, and then I dump him. Of course, you do. It wasn't because he dumped me. It's because it still wasn't that. that time in the in our lives. I get that, but you say that. I, think, we I think you did. We weren't going to be. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's your interpretation a, it was, it was of the little, story. As a guy, I'm like, I think it was a little like, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah. just even the score yeah, a little bit because you feel dumped right now. You feel like you <laughs> you sympathize. So yeah, I get that. It wasn't like that. So, um, but we still had that pact. And uh, when he um, graduated law school, he was seeing somebody, I was seeing somebody, but he sent me a ticket to come to Chicago to see if there was anything there. He re- had to route me through Canada so that my boyfriend actually thought I was going to go to Canada. Yeah, I very sneaky. And then got to oh, Chicago. Such a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I know, really. You know, really, right? And so. Here's what um, we'll do. <laughs> Long way round, Edmonton. Right, get yeah. the passport stamp. Yeah, that's right. Good to I, go. I was in Canada, <laughs> and uh, and so we. Uh, I showed up in Chicago, and it was just very clear that we needed to be <laughs> together. So, so we were together for quite a few weeks, and then I go back to England, and he he kind of practiced proposed to me on the bleachers at a Chicago Cubs game. Okay. This was kind of, he said, if you move the States, we'll be engaged by Christmas, we'll be married next year. You know, I'm 22 and I'm like, oh my God, this is so romantic. And so I go back to England, okay? I'm, I'm working, I think, for my father at the time and hand in my notice. I sell my 1972 MG sports car. That's, that's the worst okay. part. That's the tragedy okay. of the story. Do you know story. what that was like? There, there's a tragedy right there. Yeah. And then he went MIA for three weeks. And in this time, I actually dumped the boyfriend, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, three weeks he went MIA. And I called his house in Switzerland to speak to his parents and said, where is David? So it just happened he was in the south of France at the time. So I'm the last person he's going to call, right? And and I thought, this, this is crazy. What's going on? And his father, when David called home for more money, his <laughs> father... <laughs> He's traveling penniless. Um, his father said, you better call Diane. She's looking for you. It just so happens that the following day, so this was a Friday night, I remember, and um, and I had a flight book to go back to Chicago and everything. And it was uh, Friday night. He called me, and I was just yelling at him. He's, he heard my temper for the first time. It just happened the next day, my ex-boyfriend had a plan to come up and propose to me. Oh, Saved by twelve this hours. Is good. Yeah, this is really good. You can't make this stuff up. No, I mean, this you is can't. real. Um, <laughs> anyway, so um, he got a roller king. Um, I moved to Chicago. I was illegal. I was just I, okay. So this is interesting. When people talk to me about undocumented workers and illegal pe- illegal in- immigrants, I was one of those. Well, I lived in the Hamptons. 
You know how many illegal <laughs> Irish and British people they come, they work yes. on the boats and they stay. Yes. It's easy to be illegal in America if you're white. It's just oh, lot, and right. you speak English too. You oh. speak English and you're, it's easy to be illegal. You know, but that's exactly what people said to me. Because yeah. I, I talk about the fact I was illegal. They're like, yeah, but you're English. Right. I'm like, you're still. So I get a pass. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, it just so happened that I did get a job at the British consulate within two weeks. So okay. I, in fact, I had. So, you, um, so then you became. I had a you, diplomatic you were visa. Most legal. Double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so fate has taken an incredible role in our lives. It's just how things have just kind of happened. It's just remarkable. Anyway, so that's so that's how I came to America. Well, I gotta tell you, that's like that's like a uh, Richard Linkletter series, like before sunset, after sunset, before sunrise, like that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I do love the fact that like y'all's like seven years, because um, you are young, right? But like the fact that you guys did it. You know, we did. You know, you came back and saw each other. Yeah. Well, both of us, um, our personalities are: we do everything we say we're going to do. Because if you don't try, you'll just never know, right? When not these people say, oh, I want to do this, and you don't do it, and you regret it. Now, we, you know, we take risks. Yeah. We've always taken risks, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. I have to take my jacket off. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting very heated, this conversation. Um, <laughs> so two years after you came to America, um, I read you moved back to London in 1989 to start a family? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was a good time in Davis' career, and um, I was working at the consulate, so it was a really good time for us to start a family. Um, so, what type of law does he do? Because he's like corporate Chicago, ma- he, and yeah. Well, he's uh, I know. So he's with a big law firm, okay. And Mayor Brown, um, they are worldwide, and um, he is in corporate mergers and acquisitions. Of course, and, he is. And yeah, of course, <laughs> white collar. Um, and um, he transferred to London, which was a great move for his career. And um, he actually came back to Chicago. We came back because there was uh, a couple of things. There were better opportunities for him to become partner in Chicago mm-hmm. than in London. Because at that time, there were only 10 lawyers in Chicago, in, in London, and three of them were partners. Yeah. It's different now. It's, yeah. There's like hundreds of them. But um, So we came back to um, Chicago, but also we, we had two daughters to consider. Okay. And I knew I wanted to raise <clears throat> girls in America and not in England. But what was it like living in London for you? Because you were from Sussex. What was yeah. it like living in the big city? Oh, wait, I, I studied in Okay, London. so you're... Yeah, you're, I, you're, I'd lived there before, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I, London is, to this day, my favorite city in the world. I absolutely love it. Just chose not to raise my daughters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, back to Chicago when you came back? Came back to Chicago, fell flat on our faces because... We were living on an expat deal in London, which means uh, in our 20s, we were living like kings and queens. We had nanny, a nanny, we had a housekeeper, we had all those things, you know, and we came back to Chicago and suddenly back on salary and we were like, oh, (laughs) 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 what happened? (laughs) What do you mean we can't do this? What do you mean we can't have a housekeeper? (laughs) What do you mean I have to clean? (laughs) Uh, Listen, what you're used to, people don't say like what you're used to. Is it's tough, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, um, did you guys live in the city? You live in the suburbs when you're raising your uh, girls? Okay, All right. So I, I lie about this, and I was, I'll tell you, we never lived in the suburbs, but we did because it wasn't the best experience for me. Um, we were talked into moving to the suburbs when we moved back because of the so-called school issue. 
we should have researched it more because Chicago, the city of Chicago, have the most incredible schools. They're magnet schools. Yeah, where did you? Where did you? Where did you? Where in the suburbs? Because we had a we had a guest on. Like, there's really good. Chicago has some of the best schools in the suburbs. Like, like literally, like yeah, they made movies at those schools. Like, yeah, they did like Nutria like, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah they like did. those kids all went to Ivy League school. Like, it was a crazy yeah. school. Yeah, Nutria. Yeah, and, and yeah, in Winnetka, we met North Shore. Uh, we were in Glenview. Okay. Um, but we didn't live in the suburbs too long. We did move back to the city. So the school that had the most influence on our daughters, they went to Francis Parker in Chicago, which is known to be one of the most progressive schools in America. And the warning bells went off when our girls were at they were at Catholic school, and we are so not religious. Um, they're at Catholic, they were in Catholic school in Glenview, and then they started to recognize racism around them. And they didn't like what they heard. They weren't raised that way. And so we knew that it was time to live in a more diverse place. So it actually became a full-time job getting them into a great school in Chicago. And they got into Francis Parker, best experience. And they tell it to this day, best experience they had going to that school. And they do have um, one of the best schools in America, Jan Parker, Yeah, is uh, University of Chicago Lab School. Yeah. That's Great where the school. Obama girls went. I mean, that, that's like, yeah. that's like, that's it's very intellectual. Our yes. girls did get in, but it was to them, it was just okay. I was yeah. gonna say, you can go to lab school, yeah. Parker, so the three schools are Parker, yeah. Latin, and Lab, yeah. And, um, and they all have conversations, these three schools, about the kids, who's going to place them or whatnot. Right. And, um, we had friends who had kids in the lab schools at the time, and you know, the very academic family, and um. Our girls, they shadowed and they just were felt more comfortable at Parker. And so that's where they ended Luckily, that's where they ended up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, how long did you live in Chicago land? Um, gosh, we moved to New York in 2010. So we moved 1994 to 2010. 16, oh, wow. So, 16 you, years. so you were there. Uh, so they, they graduated from school there. High school, high school there, there, yeah. yeah. Um, and... <laughs> what was uh were you were you drinking wine then or was that part okay. of your life so this my epiphanal epiphanal moment right that's what they call it um i was not but then i did okay so we we actually um have had presence in uh naples florida for 25 years and in 2004 we were down one of our visits to naples at um a wine bar a new wine bar and a friend of mine poured me a glass of wine, and a red wine, and I never really drank. I, I grew up drinking wine, old world wine. We dr- grew up drinking Burgundies, but obviously it was not the good stuff. And, uh, I don't um, know about that. I mean, like, uh, really? I because, mean... because I didn't have that moment of great, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. But my friend poured me an Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, and it changed me. And in that moment, I was, was it, like... Was it Harlan? Was it Colgan? Come on, drop a name. I'm going to because this person has been my mentor and has helped get me to where I am today. Okay. Paul Hobbs. Fucking Paul Hobbs makes great wine. So I, you know, I had no idea who the heck he was and I drank this wine and it changed me and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I went from that glass of wine to the classroom and um, I became uh, one of Paul's clients and, um, in 2011, he and his wife, Christina, they'd been married a month, came in to do a winemaker dinner. And actually, in our, in our neighborhood in New York, <laughs> I 
I have to tell you David's version of this story too. Yes. Uh, it's much more interesting. But we went to the wine dinner and um, I said, okay, I'm just going to talk to Paul. I'm going to introduce myself. <laughs> David says, I threw myself at him like I was some kind of cheap hooker. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, that's what he says. That's exactly what he says. Literally just like did a bees line straight to him. and But on the way, I met his wife, Christina. They'd just been married one month. And to this day, Christina and I are so incredibly close. So met Paul. He came to join us for a while at the dinner table. And I said, I'd love to harvest with you at some point. And he, he said, absolutely, you got it. He said, you he want to come down and do some backbreaking work, please? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. And so two, two weeks later, I was on a plane to San Francisco and um, to do harvest for two weeks. So I'm going to – this is like – I was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what I was thinking. But um, I leave my beautiful Manhattan apartment. I'm in my designer shoes. I've got, I think I had Chanel boots on or something. And I have my, That's awesome. I've got my <laughs> – designer luggage <laughs> and I'm flying to San Francisco the Louis Vuitton bag. yes yeah you name it I do or Gucci one of those exactly right. <laughs> and I rent a jeep I'm like this is cool and I drive from San Francisco going to, to wine country yes go to Sebastopol you know I wonder they were accommodating me I'll get to my suite okay so I show up at the intern house okay and I get out of the Jeep and I've got all my designer luggage and my Chanel boots. And I knock on the door and Christina hops, answers. And she looks at me. And she looks me up and down and she goes, uh, nice to see you down. Uh, follow me. I followed her. She takes me to a room with four bunk beds. <laughs> and she said, um, that's your bed there. It's the top bunk. And she got the top bunk. <laughs> I got the top bunk. Twice as old as everybody else. And... That was the most important 30 seconds of my wine career was right then. Yeah. Because if I had said, there's no way, got back in that Jeep, gone back to my place in Manhattan, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. And instead, I had one drawer, this much room in a closet. I, I threw everything in the closet. I put on my jeans, my fleece, my tennis shoes, and that's what I wore for the next two weeks. Best decision I've ever made. I was terrified. I was intimidated. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And I didn't realize at the time how lucky I was that Paul Hobbs took me into the vineyards with him mm. and taught me. And and so for the next um, six years, I'd go out and harvest somewhat with him. And during that time, actually, David and I bought some property up there, which we cultivated. And we'll get into that. I want to okay. back, back up for a second because okay. this is an incredible story. It's a true story. Um, I, I hope you wouldn't come on and just spread misinformation we're gonna have to put a, have to put a cdc warning yeah, on my yeah, podcast right. you know? but that's the thing because people hear the story and they think there's no way but no is, i think when like. people hear this story and i'm like this chick showed a wine country and chanel boots they're yeah. like why would you say that if it wasn't true yeah that, like, like that's you know, how it was yeah um i mean <laughs> like, that's who i was green acres moment yeah <laughs> I mean, that really, really is who I was. Yeah. Still have it a little. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. My wife brought 14 pairs of shoes to Paris when we went, okay? She had a suitcase full of freaking shoes. Oh, I like your wife yeah, already. Yeah. Mm. So um, you're fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do like that you said you threw yourself like a cheap hooker, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, seriously. <laughs> That's just... He just didn't know where to look. He's like, oh, my God. So <laughs> you moved to New York, you said, in um, what is it, 1994, when? 2010. Um, when you went to New York, you, you, you started studying to become a master of wine? Yeah, so what happened was um, I started with the American um, Sommelier Association, where just about everybody starts. Mm -hmm. It was a really good foundation. I mean, a really good foundation. And from there, I went to the WSET. And I also Which I got correct when I was like, what's that? No, <laughs> no. yeah, it's w They it's, will tell you, WSET. Well, I know, Mary Ewing yeah. Mulligan told me, said, it's, yeah. it's WSET. WSET. Kindly and lovingly. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, I think they've earned that too. You know, they're a very... Good um, organization, but you know it's it's like so American. It's no like scandal, yeah. KFC, like yeah. country, like just that's what we do. Like what's that? Like that's just my mind is programmed yeah. to, make, and that's okay. You know. And it just takes an MW to correct us and yeah, just say, you, you know, know, this is what it's like, and we remember that. Moment. I said, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Yeah, you're not that. You're not alone. I know, but I, I love to. I love being corrected because I don't know everything. Yeah, well, that's how you learn. Exactly. Right? Otherwise, you don't know. So yeah, so you. So WACT, mm -hmm. but I also studied with the Society of Wine Educators, so I got my CSW, Certified Specialist of Wine. Um, but I was studying for. I was halfway through my diploma. Um, my, um, I was doing very well with my diploma. And passed every wine exam, except for one blind tasting. Um, that was early on. And um, I was going to, I really wanted to become um, a master of wine. Mm -hmm. That was my path. And mm -hmm. then we had um, a family tragedy mm -hmm. that changed everything. And it became an impossibility to continue my studies because I had to, because when you're, I was studying six to eight hours a day, mm -hmm. and you can't do that if you're going to go for your MW, and I couldn't give it that commitment. But but it's interesting how life takes its, mm -hmm. takes a turn, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just we got through the tragedy, dealing with it, went back out to harvest, and I knew where I belonged. I belonged in the vineyard. Mm. That's where I was my happiest, and and so I went from the classroom to the vineyard. All right. Well, you know, this is a great time. We need to take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll we'll start um, exploring Diane's adventures in the vineyard. So we'll be right back, everybody. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for another great distributor to look for when shopping for fine wines and spirits? Let me tell you about Independence Wine and Spirits, or IWS. IWS is one of the hot, up-and-coming distributors of fine wines and spirits headquartered in New York City. Like Taub Family Selections, IWS is owned by the Tao family who have re-entered the New York wholesale market, bringing the family back to its roots in distribution where they held court from 1951 through 2004. IWS is proud to represent an exceptional portfolio of high-quality, terroir-centric, and historic producers from around the world, including Italy and France, where they have an exciting roster of burgeoning Vinrolins from Burgundy that are coming your way soon. They also have domestic producers such as La Coya, Cardinale, Staglin, El Molino, and many more. To learn more about IWS, go to independencewine.com. I know you love the insider scoop on all things food and wine. That's why you're listening to my show, and you need to be watching Som TV. Som TV has hundreds of hours of exclusive food, wine, and travel content. Take a look into some of the most admired wineries of the world with series and films that you can only see on Som TV. Head over to the link in my show notes. Use code MJ60, that's MJ60, at checkout and get your first year of Som TV at 60% off. 
Do not miss out on the special offer to get a year of streaming for only $20. Ross Knoll Vineyard Wines and winemaker Justin Seidenfeld are making delicious handcrafted wines from Pinot Noir grapes sourced from the exceptional vineyards throughout the Russian River Valley. Personally, I found their 2021 rosé to be absolutely delicious. Go to rossknollvineyard.com and join their wait list to discover all of their limited production wines and to be notified of upcoming releases. Okay, we're back. So, um, you know, um, one thing I'm getting to know about you, just having the conversation, like you take risks, you're very resilient. Um, you you try things. So you took an adversity and turned it into uh, uh, something positive. Um, so what was it like being back in the vineyard? And then what, I mean, you said it went off, but like what, what, what'd you say? What, 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 what did you get from being in the vineyard again? Well, um, so what we did was we hired a really great vit- viticultural team who, who were um, recommended to us by Joyce Sterling from Iron Horse Vineyards. Mm-hmm. She's our neighbor. Um, so Iron Horse was Incredible right next to us. sparkling wines. Yeah. They world class. And world class family too, by the way. Yeah. Super family, very well traveled. Um, just very, very interesting family. And uh, Joy introduced me to our then viticulturist. And I was like the smallest project he'd ever taken on. I mean, an acre and a half, 3,000 vines. But he saw a passion, I guess, that Paul saw and saw that I was serious about this. And so the um, there's so much into planting a vineyard. And one of the most difficult parts is the permit um, getting the permit and going through the procedure. And you have to go through all these like soil analyses to do it. And one insect or one bug, if it's present in your vineyard environment, can ruin your chances of getting a permit. Because there's some like rare, and I think at the time it was some kind of... Beetle. It's usually a beetle. Yeah, it's a beetle, but it, but <laughs> it was actually... It's usually a beetle for some reason. Yeah, it was some kind of lizard. Oh, okay. Yeah, some kind of tiger, that's, something, that's something a lizard. Bug, Diane. <laughs> Same thing. Looks like a. She's dog. like it was. It was in the way of my permit. Got <laughs> <laughs> to be in the way. Exactly. And I said, I just be typical that that's the day that it's like tiger lizard, lizard guns just strolling through, through the, the vineyard. Hey, Mister Inspector Man. <laughs> in my family. Yeah, that's right. We're all coming to live here. There goes there go my vineyard dreams. <laughs> But it just so happens that the permit... Oh, that's a good name for a, a movie. Vineyard Dreams. Vineyard Dreams. Yeah. This oh. is a bit like that, yeah. Wow. Oh. Sorry. Um, no, that's okay. Where so, my brain works. So, no, I like that. It goes off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, so our permit lady, she's a lady. Permit lady. <laughs> it, she showed up and we actually barely talked about the vineyard because she's an equestrian. See, I know. I, was like, I knew there was an angle coming. Yeah, this I was, was like, like, like she showed up with a Chanel bag. So I knew, I knew there was an angle. There was a way you were going to connect it with was her. Like you and I earlier, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, but and that's because there was something on her truck. I was like, oh yes, you're on such and such circuit. Yeah, blah blah blah. And we talked about horses. And we're walking through the vineyard talking about horses and doing all this. It's, it's a paddock at this time, right? It's a paddock. Yeah. And she was really, really nice. And she liked the fact there aren't many women who are necessarily who were applying for permits as well at the time. Right. I, I wasn't a threat to anybody because I was an acre and a half. We had our own well. Because the things that they're concerned about is water. Yeah. You know, California. because yeah, there's very little water up there. Yeah. And so you have to be able to sustain mm-hmm. your vineyard. Um and so um I got my permit in three weeks. 
Apparently, wow. that was record time. Yeah, that's like record. I've heard um, three years stories, mm -hmm. and then I mean, you know, the hundred acre story. Like he's like, I oh, screw the permits. <laughs> yeah, they can get in the way of everything. Yeah, they it, really it, can. Yeah, like it's and it's it, it's political because it's you know. Uh, Life, right? Yeah, it's life, right? Especially the wine world. Yeah. It's just like a political mess um, at times, but not the winery vineyard world. That's right. what I love about right, it. Right, right. There are at least right. amount of politics. And right. There's a love of the vine, of, uh, of, of viticulture. There's a commonality yeah. of, you know, there's a community spirit, and which I can get into as well. But anyway. Well, we're going we're gonna to get into that. Yeah, yeah, get into it. Yeah. So, yeah. so what it was like when you come to Sebastopol. Mm. Um, and were you known by that time from the harvest with Paul Hobbs or anything? Or, well, I, I do, people talk. Um, I don't know how I was known. I'm not sure who was in the best way. Like, I was like, that's the prima chick who had the Chanel boots, <laughs> no, the Louis Vuitton. No, it's like we that, top bunked her. That's right. That's right. I was top bunked. <laughs> yeah, I, they were like, who? What the heck? Who the hell is she? Um, but put it this way: I, you ask anybody who has known me over the years if they would see that I was doing this today, they say, a lot of people say, yeah, I can imagine she'd make her way there somehow, but others sort of say, there's no way. There's no way she'd get her hands dirty and do all this. And I suddenly got my hands dirty and, you know, I was a farmer. Well, that's, yeah. I think a lot of people don't understand that's what, what, what making wine is. You're a farmer. You're a farmer. That was my first yeah. trip to California. I met Went to see Gary Pisoni. Actually, this was back in the day. I called him. I called information when you can call information and get someone's phone number. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, why do you want to come see me? He's like, I'm just a farmer. Yeah. I'm like, because, yeah. dude, your wine is so yeah. good. So speaking of that, um, mm -hmm. why the Calera clone? Um, it was actually, I don't know if you're familiar with the brand Radio Coteau. Yes. Eric Sussman. Mm -hmm. He's um, he's a what I call a wine crafter. He's a great winemaker. And he there's a vineyard. It's out near Bodega Bay. It's um, pretty far west in the Sonoma County wine region, and it was called Platt Vineyard. And he sourced um, Calera clones from there. And I tasted his 2012 Calera, Platt Vineyard Calera clone vintage, and I was like, wow, that's exactly the expression of um, Pinot Noir that I'm looking for. So I knew the clone. Um, that was easy. And so that's why we decided to plant the Calera. It's just very feminine, you know. It's lighter. It's feminine. Um, it has the most like, beautiful like, aroma. Like, like you, elegant, <laughs> refined. Um, is this the same? Is this like Calera from like the Central Coast Calera Jensen? Is, it, is, is, is that what's – um, or no? Where, what's an origin? Well, Calera actually – I don't know if you know this. It's actually rumored to be from the Romane Conti vineyard. Okay. It's one of those suitca suitcase clones, but – Oh, know, like, like – Gary supposedly has yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, just. Well, back in the day, in the and 70s and 80s, like, they didn't, there was, like, really no security. So, like, right, right. like you just right. shove it down your pants. You see, he, yeah, shoved it, right. he shoved it down his pants, yeah. hopped the wall at DRC, shoved it down his pants, <laughs> and brought it back and planted it yeah, in, in right. St. Lucia Highland. So, so, similar story. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, my understanding okay. is Josh, J Josh, Josh Jensen. Jensen. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, um, that's where it came from, yeah. Those dudes were crazy. Mm-hmm. But I, I but, they but, did it. but um exactly yeah we're all benefiting from yeah that. it's like no it's naughty but that's yeah. crazy uh, yeah that, that Clara Clara Jensen which he sold a few years ago but like such a great Pinot Noir yeah um, oh this you know what they they are exquisite the Pinot yeah. the ones that which are made really well which is a lot of them uh, they're just easy to drink easy to drink easy to share oh my god I just thought of the story this is why she likes me so <clears throat> when I first got in the wine business <clears throat> like in the late 90s 97 
when I was working at Acker, um, there was there was a uh, Japanese graphic novel, and you know they're really into wine in Asia, and and like the hero basically was the Psalm, and uh, mm-hmm. he had two wines, and one was DRC. Uh-huh. And what was Calera Jensen? And it was like the only thing close to DRC is Calera Jensen. Like that was in this graphic novel. Made in the 90s. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. Think about it. The yeah, claim. and also you said it's small, but I mean, you actually have a very Burgundian size vineyard. Like it's, it is. It's it's like a small portion yeah. that most producers will have, have yeah. in a Grand Cru vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, is it Latash, which is only like. Couple of acres, I think. Yeah, 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 something. Yeah, and some of them are very, very small. Yeah, it was. I don't have it anymore, though. The vineyard. No. Mm-mm. What'd you do? You sold it. <laughs> well. Um, are you buying fruit from there? Tell us, uh, us, okay. us the story. So, one of the most um, hardest decisions that I ever made, most heartbreaking decisions, apart from giving up my MW for the right reasons was selling the vineyard. Um, this was post-2017 and 2019 fires. Oh, yeah. And living on the East Coast, <clears throat> we live on the East Coast, um, we were running a vineyard, we had a team, it was very expensive to do all this, and just the fears of the fires, it was getting harder to get insurance. Um, we had to make a ver- We had to make a decision um, where we were going to focus most of our lives. Mm. And our daughters, both on the East Coast, we're very close to our girls. And we were, I was away from home more and more. And I, I missed my East Coast life. I can't lie, but I love California. I'm so I torn. Mean, wine country so, is so torn. Yeah. It's it's amazing. I mean, I have champagne problems. I I know that. <laughs> I, I do know that. But even so, it's, you know, when you're... But their problem, people don't understand. Like, the effects in your body are oh. the same. People, The, the, the chemicals yeah. in your brain that fire. I think people like to downplay it, but... but yeah, it's terrible. The champagne problems are still problems. Yeah, and and because it's, I loved the farming life. It was good for me, and you know that's where my passion was. But we we sold the vineyard, but we kept the rights to okay. the vineyard. Okay. But last year, this is the last vintage ever from our vineyard. Mm. Um, last year, the vineyard was destroyed by frost, <sighs> and um, we had to make a choice, and in order for them to. For it to turn around and become a great vineyard again would take a long time. And I think they're talking about regrafting. And so my first call, let me talk about life full circle. My first call was to Paul Hobbs because we've been working together and, mm-hmm. you know, he's, we've done vertical session on him. He's going to be in our next song film. And we've got this ongoing, like, beautiful friendship through the world of wine and just, you know, giving back. This is like giving back. And um, I... Actually, I texted him saying, Paul, I've lost my vineyard. We need to source fruit. Do you have any fruit you can spare? He doesn't sell fruit to people. Mm-hmm. Within 30 seconds, he called, He texted me back and says, I have you covered. And he sold <coughs> us um, a couple of tons of um, Pinot Noir, clone 667. And we've made uh, the rosé, 2021 rosé, Cuvée Fin, is made out of 667. And then Linmar was the other relationship. And they sold us one and a half tons of of the Mount Eden clone, Mm. which is um, we've made some white Pinot Noir out of the the Mount Eden. And we have, so we have two tons of Pinot Noir 
aging in barrels presently, 667 and Mount Eden, and then we'll decide what to do with that. So moving forward, we are now going to be sourcing grapes every year. Okay. Yeah, and okay. we're making 60 cases of Cab for David's 60th birthday this year. Oh. From Cab's coming from Paul. Wow. Is he making a wine too? No. no. Our winemaker, Who's your I mean, wine? he's going to, Justin Seidenfeld. Okay. Justin <clears throat> is, so here's another story of life. Life is full circle in the wine world, the winery world. The fires of 2017, um, Justin and his family's house burnt down literally as they're escaping it. It was Justin, his wife, the three little girls, pet cat, and parents. Mm. And my neighbor, she knew that I was heading back to New York and she called me and said, Diane, you know, they need somewhere to live. They're homeless. And I never forget her bringing them to our home. And uh, it was devastating. And I was supposed to be leaving the next day when I saw them show up and they were all talking and the crying and it was very emotional. I went in, packed my bag, literally gave them keys. I'm like, it's yours. This house is yours. I, I can go back to New York City. They had nowhere to go. And we immediately created this bond and he is actually the winemaker for Rodney Strong okay. and all of uh, Rodney Strong's um, high-end uh, brands as well. He's, he and I have this nerdiness in common where we just love to craft wines. And he really, you know, he, he wants to do this. He, he wants to craft wines with people. And he and I just have the same style and taste in wine. And, um, and so he seemed, I just didn't think that he would want to be my winemaker necessarily. And when I asked him, he's like, absolutely. So, you know, that's another, tells you a lot about that community. Mm -hmm. It's an unbelievable community. Mm -hmm. Everyone comes to each other's help. <clears throat> that's, um, that's, that's really incredible story. So Justin will make the cab. He's very excited about it. David, she didn't put your, your birth out there, your age out there, like, <laughs> several times. What was I'm that, just, 60, David? 60? Yeah, so I'm just acknowledging this. When you listen zero. to this, I, you heard me. She broke up with you on purpose at a second time, too. Yeah, this is payback yeah. <laughs> from when I was 16 I years of Maybe age. Maybe she'll get over it now. <laughs> it's helping. Wow, it that's, is helping. That's good. Yes, I do. I feel better. <laughs> People do come on here and start talking about stuff. They, I, 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 I don't. This is, I'm not the Maury show. I'm not trying to get people. Oh, my gosh. You just have a way about yeah. you. It's Thank not. you. So, um, boom. How did you come to meet the creators of Psalm documentary film? How did that happen? Mm. Okay. So, that's interesting. Um, so, when I was studying in New York City um, for – well, just being out there. You know New York. You – cross over with people all the time, master sommeliers, other people. Everybody. When you have champagne problems, you do. <laughs> when you eat an EMP, like, yeah, you're, you're going to come across. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Here we go. I, I am really good at putting my foot in my mouth. No, you're not. I was all the time. But, but um, it's, it's true. That's why, like even me, when I, you go to wine tasting, yeah. I have a podcast now, people start to recognize. Yeah, you, yeah, get, you do. Yeah. Well, these were actually Laura Maniac. It was Laura Maniac at the time. Her wine classes, I was attending those for tastings and practice with tastings and stuff. Um, I was introduced to somebody, a master sommelier. You, I was introduced to Jeff Cruz. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, listen. Yeah. So this I, was, was pre-stuff, yeah. right? It's uh, listen. I, yeah. I, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, so I was introduced to Jeff, yeah, okay. who then um, he was part of um, the second song film. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And um, they were looking for an investor, 
And um, so he introduced me to Jason Wise and Jason called me and we had a conversation. They said they need someone to invest in, help them fund some into the bottle. We had a long conversation. We got along really well. And I'm like, absolutely. And that's how that relationship began. And they knew that, but it was more than that. I became very involved in like putting events together and things like that. And just, I'm going to be much more of it than just you know, an executive producer and investor. I wanted to be part of it because of my passion for wine. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're sitting down talking about, it was in our dining room in Sonoma, in our house in Sonoma. And I remember we were sitting around, there were six of us, because there's actually six founders who founded the parent company. And we talked about making other films, especially the next some film, some three. And, um, and David being a lawyer said, well, we have to find, you know, make a comp build a company to yeah, do this. Get, so we had yeah, to do it properly. We, we're going to need to do a friends and family round, raise some money, you know, to be able to make all these films. And so six of us, it was Jason, Christina Wise, Jackson Myers, super talented people, um, David, Brian Roszewski and myself, we built the company. Um, and then in um, 2019, so we built the company in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, we um, we released some three. It was a huge success. We ran amazing events all over the country. Um, I did a lot of events with you know with Dustin and a lot of the cast. That members. was the, um, the the Burgundy versus that was the, yeah. the Pinot Noir from yeah. Mount Rowan, right? Exactly that <laughs> yeah. tasting. Um, Pascaline. Yeah, yeah, and ran that table. I was I witnessed that. I was there for that filming, mm. and it was extraordinary. You can't make that stuff up. Um, and it, it was just such a beautiful evening, and we got to know Sarah Thomas, and you know, and she's, oh, she's awesome. She's oh, she's extraordinary. She's extraordinary. And was she in that? Yeah, she was around that table. Wow. Yeah, she was around that show. table. Damn. And um, and Aldo was there and Aldo. Love Aldo. Oh yeah, he's I you know He's elusive. Yeah. Been trying to book him for a year. Oh really? <laughs> oh really? He's a super nice guy. I know. He's yeah, a, he's a super elusive. nice guy. <laughs> and uh, so we um, we ran some very successful events. Mm -hmm. And then in 2019 I get a call from Jason Wise. He says I have an idea. Hear me out. And you have to understand how many times I've had those calls. I'm like, okay, I need to make, pour myself a glass of wine, sit and listen to these <laughs> ideas. Because they're always, you know, brilliant ideas. And, you know, we may or may not follow through with them. And um, this was an idea that actually came from Christina and Jackson and him. He's like, and what we're trying to do is like dodge the middle guy. Right. This distributor and stuff. Why don't we just make our, distribute our own stuff? Right. So he's like, well, what do you think about a streaming network? And I'm like, what? And and so I was like, he said, what do you think about a streaming network? And I was like, okay, walk me through it. And so we got our whole board together, which are the founders, basically. And we talked about this and we said, okay, we're going to need to raise some more money to do this. And, um, and, and then we started the network and then COVID hit. So we had all those challenges, but we kept creating, kept producing, um, and uh, kept that going. And then last year, we had a very successful seed round for the company, and we onboarded a CEO. And our CEO, Mark Greenberg, he's actually a legend in the streaming space. And if we could have picked one person in the United States to be our CEO without any knowledge of who he was, with just with his resume and his experience, he would have been the one. And he came out of retirement for us. 
And because he saw something and he's done this before with epics. He took epics from, it was, he and his assistant took it from no, nothing to $1.4 billion sale to MGM. And um, great guy, Damn. New Yorker. And um, he, <clears throat> you know, and he re was really interested in this. So anyway, so, uh, so last year was exhausting. I mean, it's really exhausting. Um, my husband and I were instrumental in bringing this together because he acts as our lawyer. I was co courting Mark for five months. How um, do you feel about you courting another man while you're married? After 30? Well, luckily, <laughs> luckily, Mark and David get along really well. So that Did helps. Did you run across the room like a cheap <laughs> <Yeah>, again? <laughs> but he's, uh, you know, we have Mark and um, his wife, Tammy, and David and I have parallel lives. Our kids are kind of like them. You know, we, there was just so much in common. And so we hit it off straight away. And, and I think that, you know, after meeting Jason Jackson and Christina, he knew that there was something here. Mm -hmm. And so um, he came in and he's, he's great. Everybody really, really respects him. And that was, that was, uh, well, that's, well, it's only February. So September that was 1st, he came on board. And at the end of last year, uh, for the first time in my life, I actually suffered from exhaustion. Really? End of November. I spent a lot of uh, December just sleeping. And um, hit, hit us both with like a ton of bricks um, because, you know, we both have our own businesses and I had to really put my business on hold to, to help get this done. And I didn't realize how much energy it was taking to do that emotionally and um, financially and all sorts of things. And um, hit me with a ton of bricks and kind of when it was all done, we had a first board meeting, went back to Naples and I literally slept for six weeks. Damn. Yeah. So through it now. <clears throat> let's talk about. I want to back up. That's amazing. Um, Sam into the bottle. You guys went places people don't get to go. Mm. Shav, yeah, DRC. Like, how did you? How did you? Just say hi. I'm Diane. No, I had nothing to do with that. Okay. Um, Jason Wise has what we call in England the gift of the gab, and that is uh, he's an incredible. We sales call that here too. Oh, you do call it the same thing here? Okay, all right. Um, he's an incredible salesperson, and you know he's very, very smart and very knowledgeable. Wise even. Why is he what? Wise even. Why? Yeah, wise. Yeah. Wise. I mean, it's in his name. Yeah. It would be really sad if he were not very intelligent. <laughs> he is. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, so he has a way um, with people that he's able to get them to do what he asks them to do. Um, and, But he does it with people in the wine world, you know, wineries and whatnot, very respectfully. Mm -hmm. And they enjoy working with us because of it. it. Jason is our spokesperson, but he's not alone. There's a whole team of people with him who work equally hard to make this happen. It just so happens people know he's the household name because he is the spokesperson and he has a way. Well, you know, he has this podcast and, you know, he talks to, to a lot of people. So <clears throat> what is, um, what is like, what, where are you guys going? Like what do you like? You like you want to be on a level of like the Hulu's and Netflix. What do you want to be like the? What's yeah, you know it's um, there is a lot of ideas flying out there. But to your point, um, because of the reputation of our company mm -hmm. and the positivity of our content, 
we have access to restaurants. We're, we're going into the culinary space as well. We've got a bunch of films coming out this year. But we do have access to really good people because they know that we're not going to do anything that's going to offend them on screen. It's 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 beautiful content. That's what it is. It's educational. You're not going to have like a jackass show where people go in and just act stupid in the restaurant and like Johnny you know, Knoxville. Who knows? You just, you know, but the plan right now is uh, we're licensing a lot of content too, which is great. But we really want to go, we want to expand into lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. Travel yeah. and winery tours mm-hmm. and events and I mean, there's so much that we can expand on, but we're all in that, um, you know, first six months of a new CEO and figuring it all out. And, you know, there's a lot of baby steps and stepping stones and hurdles, a lot of hurdles. And that's what we're getting through. But we are going in the right direction. Our subscriber numbers are soaring. Um, I understand entertainment a little bit. Um, but what can you tell us about some of the projects coming out that without giving too much away? Like what are some of the films you have coming down the pipe? Okay. So we have the next um, film in the Somme series, Somme 4. It's about the, um, you know, the beginning of wine and how it's called The Cup of Salvation. And, um, you know, so we have some great interviews. It's from Armenia to Rome to Argentina. So, and um, Paul Hobbs He's um, one of the first American winemakers in Armenia, and he has some projects out there. So he very much helped us um, with his partners over there film in Armenia. Um, one of our board members, Eric Israelian, who's like, this guy should have been a priest. He's, you know, a good priest because he's a really nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like, not one of the bad ones. That's a so good, funny. Good, That's so cute. <laughs> a good priest. He just... In fact, he, he just received some kind of medal from the Pope. I mean, he's a really good guy, and he's Armenian. Mm-hmm. And so he's been instrumental also in bringing this film together. It's going to be beautiful, introducing new cast members as well into it. Uh, we've got um, The Whole Animal, which has been in the works for a long time. It, you know, It's about all these chefs who, you know, the, you, how you work, and you respect the animal, and you yeah. work with every part of the right. animal. Um, we've got, um, Ghosts of Spring Mountain. It's about the, uh, ghost stories of the wineries in California. So we had those as well. Um, I'm probably missing out on lots of other important ones as well. Um, and then we've got the Bobby Stuckey film coming up. Um, about, you know, is that about him or just the restaurant? Is that about the restaurant energy, all the work he's been doing? Yeah, it's about the restaurant post, you know, the COVID situation, okay. which really needs to be talked about because, yeah. you know, where corporate America uh, soared during COVID, the hospitality industry suffered. And I right. think, and I think it's a topic that we need to touch on as, you know, as, we need to rebuild the hospitality industry. Well, I don't want to be going to like Bennigan's and make, I mean, that's what's surviving now, yeah. right? Yeah. Chain restaurants. Yeah. Chain restaurants. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. So I think what we do is, especially in New York city, the community in New York is we support our friends, right? We go to their mm-hmm. restaurants, mm-hmm. we do their takeouts, mm-hmm. whatever they have, we will help them in every way that we can. Yeah. Well, yeah. um, 
lifestyle. Like, I don't know, I'm throwing out ideas. Give you some free ideas. These ideas are free. Magazine at some time. We got a song magazine, like a Condé Nast type We thing. have an online publication. Okay. Yeah, we do have an online publication. I, I got to tell you, I like print though. I love because I'm with it's you. It's visceral. Yeah, I can I, touch yeah. it. I like the way a magazine smells. I hate Kindles. I like oh, hard yeah, copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a book, pages fall out. Like, I don't I, care. I get online magazines, but like, that's just staring at a screen. Like, like mm. you know, imagine getting on. You know, American Airlines or whatever airline. Is American still an airline? I don't American, know. yeah. Okay. That's, that's my yeah. go-to that's airline. Go-to. Yeah. Um, and like you pull out, you know, and, and instead of Sky Mall, there's like this beautiful magazine of yes, all these beautiful yes, pictures yeah. of wine and vineyards Tra- and Especially meals. travel. Yes. You can just capture it better when it's right, right. right in front of you. Yeah. Like everything. I agree. Um, I think, I'm not sure if it's a generational thing. We do yeah. like things that are visual. I think that, you know, we like phone conversations. We just like that connectivity right that's who we are i do see though i've seen so i follow some young creators this one young creator he's put out a print magazine i think i think i mean if you look at everything nothing new under the sun right everything's cyclical right so we were wearing doc martens high school kids are wearing doc martens again right like so i wore skinny jeans skinny jeans i never wore skinny jeans um I don't get that. Oh, yeah, the tighter the better when you used to lie down and all your friends would help you. Like, no, that's that my wife used to do that. Like, just have to okay. get like a pliers okay. and pull the zip, yeah. you know. Yeah. But like, dudes, it was just baggy clothes. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm a 90s kind of hip hop. I'm like, right, bro, your pants are too tight, man. Um, yeah, life is full circle. Uh, but yeah, no, Fashion I think, I think, exactly. I think, yeah. I mean, you know, um, that's really cool. Um, so, what is like, you know, what are you really excited about in life? I know you just had a grandson. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about getting back on track with my business. Okay. I what think, is your business? Rossnell Vineyard. Okay. So my business is your wine stylist. Yes. Because I used to be actually a wine consultant and I had a lot of clients. Okay. And I helped them um, stock their cellars and also I helped them in the holidays. I used to send out thousands of bottles of wine to their clients and um, – so that's I did a good that. Business. I, it was it was good business, yeah. and um, and that's where I built a lot of relationships with wineries, and um, but now back on my own brand. So we just released our twenty our cuvee fin rosé and our white pinot noir. The white pinot noir, we uh, barrel fermented, and we're super excited about it. I'm talking to somebody who's considering coming on as our um, brand ambassador who he's quite well known and he's extremely talented and very lovable. And um, we're working on that at the moment. And um, we will bottle our Pinot Noir in the summer. We'll release it this time next year. What vintage is that? It's 2021. 2021, okay. So we want to release it in 23. Yeah, I wonder how long How long do you typically keep your wine, like your, your Pinot Noir in barrel? So it's about nine to ten months. Well, no. Uh, we're, um, our winemaker, actually, Justin, he sends us samples, barrel samples to our home in Florida. And I don't know if you've seen any of our podcasts where David and I like to tear eight. <laughs> no, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> he, se- he sends us samples and we, um, we, we, t- we do the stories and we're tasting them and by, you know, the fifth tasting. I mean, the two of us can't even put a sentence together. And yeah, we've that happened once on a show. Where I got banged up really bad. Oh, really? Yeah, this is already kind that, of that. was early on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I, I've I've done back to backs, and but I was just oh. strong. I was strong that day. Oh well, my thing is, I'm a lightweight, yeah. and I make wine. Yeah. Well, that, you don't. It, I mean, I've had I had a guest on here who's a wine influencer, very well known, and she's like, my my secret is I don't drink that much. Actually, that's her secret. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it is. I time. mean, it's a toxin. 
Let's be honest. Yeah, it is. I think maybe that's why we do 12.5%. Try to keep it down so I, so we can drink Yeah, it. you probably see my feed. I'm going to Paso Robles. I'm going to Rhone. <laughs> oh, you are? Well, they're doing beautiful things, I right? Know, beautiful yeah. things in California. Yeah. But um, So this year, the focus is building my business, getting okay. my wine out there. The rosé really appeals to the younger generation. So I have to... And also lower alcohol. Lower alcohol. Yeah. Especially those, you know, who are drinking like the cans of yes. liquor and whatnot. And they want low alcohol and... Um, but also, but what? But one thing I really want to press is that, you know, a woman from my generation to be able to raise a family in the first part of her life is able to reinvent herself. And it's terrifying to do. And I have a lot of women who are raising families who talk to me about this and say, how did you do it? And I said, it's actually terrifying. And um, the hardest part about recreating yourself or reinventing yourself is your family because they know you in a certain way. And all of a sudden, you're like leaving them. You're doing other things. If you can get over that hurdle, then the rest is really easy. It really is. And, you know, so... So what I want to say to um, especially any man, a, a male or female who stays home to raise a family, life doesn't stop there. That's just that's just a break. It's not it's not a break because you're raising a family. That's the hardest thing you're ever going to do. But but there is life after that. You can reinvent yourself and do something. And I am walking living proof of that. And I was I tell people I was saved by a glass of wine, and because I didn't know what I was going to do and that glass of Paul Hobbs Cabernet Sauvignon in 2004 saved me. And that is why we're sitting here today doing this. Oh, man. It's, I mean, I, I, we got the name for the show, Saved by a Glass of Wine, by the way. Yeah. 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 I was, I think I was, um, so, uh, there was a publication in Naples that did a piece on me and it's inspired by Sip, they called it, which <laughs> I thought was very appropriate. But, but I think it's very interesting because people remember the moment when their life changes, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the smells that take us somewhere. And those that's what's important about life are those moments. You know, treasure those moments. It's not about what you have, what you don't have. It's about being able to embrace those moments and taking not taking advantage of them and just, you know, using them to, for, for the, to better yourself, you know, to educate yourself. And that's what's happened. Um. So you make Pinot Noir. Mm -hmm. um, other than your own, your first harvest, what, what's like you? What do you like to drink? White Burgundy. White Burgundy. It is my. I love. So I have champagne on tap. Gives me a terrible headache, but unfortunately, I drink it like water. Wait, I'm back. <laughs> I'm I'm little. Do you literally have a tap with champagne? <laughs> you might as well. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I was just because I'm sure that's an invention out there. It's, called, like, yeah. <laughs> it's called David's arm. <laughs> right, you got you got David's arm, and it's pointed sideways, and he's just waiting me to finish one glass before he refills it with another one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's my tap. Um, champagne and white burgundy, mm. and. With white burgundy, and actually Dustin, Verva Wine are the people who help me with my white burgundies. And when they get, you know, some beauties in, they get like a case. Um, they do contact me and I'm like, I'll take this, 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 and this. And 
it's a crowd pleaser. It's a great way of people, they say, <laughs> so funny, but they say, I hate Chardonnay. I'm like, oh, oh that's yeah. a shame. And so I don't tell them. I pour them wet burgundy. And they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, yeah, it's Chardonnay. Well, I know. I've, I've said this has come up several times on the podcast where because I've worked retail. Mm-hmm. I have this little retail job right now, which in a, in a, in a supermarket, it's a well-known supermarket. Um, and people were like, um, there's people who don't know that white burgundy is Chardonnay. Like, literally, I've had people like, and they're only buying a Borgogna. Yeah. And they'll come in like, and I, so I'll bring them like a, you know, an entry level Faley, whatever, it's yeah, twenty yeah, bucks. Yeah. Like, oh, oh no, it's it's that's Chardonnay. I'm like, yeah, all white Burgundy Chardonnay. Yeah, it's yeah. Ace. <laughs> you know, here's the thing though, I actually don't drink a lot of New World Chardonnay. I love white Burgundies. There's something about them. It's completely different. It is. I mean, I love yeah. California wines, but like, mm. man, for me, because I don't have champagne problems, I got like. Borgonia problems, um, <laughs> but I find a good Borgonia for like thirty bucks. Like, yeah. but but a, a, a yeah. butt's like a real like a, like they're like it's mostly Shoshana fruit, but it's got the, you know like yeah, I love finding that. I and love Shoshana, and it's yeah. completely different. Yeah. from it Cal might Boy be Shana. the row outside of the major row exactly. that you're picking. You yeah. still got the same aspect. You still right. got the same fruit. Right. I mean, this is what you know. Um, a lot of people don't understand is that. So one of my good friends, Margaret Tench. Um, their Tench vineyards are right at the border of Screaming Eagle. Mm-hmm. Their Cab vineyards, mm-hmm. same aspect, mm-hmm. si- you know, mm-hmm. and uh, they make beautiful Cab, beautiful Cab. It's the same area. Yep. You're talking the same grapes, everything. You know, it's just – and so this is what a lot of the vineyards are like. It's about branding, right? Yeah, of course. Being able to brand. Yeah. But um, for a white burgundy, Grace Evanstadt, who owns Domaine Seren, she has a oh, white wow. burgundy. And it's a $30 bottle. Um, I'm just trying to remember the name. Um, I'll get that to you. Thank you. And it's a beautiful white burgundy. It's, you know, it's more affordable for most people at 30 bucks. Right. And and I know $30 is still a lot of money for people to spend on wine. But, you know, um, if you really want to treat yourself and just kind of start reaching into the white burgundy world, that's a pretty good place to start. So you said the main surround. So I've said this. What do you think about – I think – to me, what's more exciting out of Oregon is actually the Chardonnays over the over the Pinot Noirs now. They're yeah. coming out pretty Burgundian. I've right. had some pretty – What's his name? Scott. Walter um, Scott. Walter Scott, yeah. yeah. That's a great – Oh, my God. Yeah, that is a beautiful Chardonnay. Um, same latitude, I think, as Burgundy, if I'm not right, mistaken. Right, and that, that's the, kind of the whole right. – one of the – you know, the parallel was it's the same latitude. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's um, – I love what comes out of Oregon. Um, you know, it's subjective. Wine is subjective. Of course. It's all about, you know, your your own tastes. If you want to drink a, you know, a $10 bottle of wine, God bless you. Fantastic. And you love that. That's amazing. Um, my husband wishes I did. But, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's um, at times. And, um, but I'm in the wine world and I, you know, I get to taste a lot of wine. Right. For me, I love the expression of Pinot Noir in California. I love what California me does. Me too. Over Oregon. I, Sonoma Coast for oh, me is... God. It's like, it's beauty in every you know, sip. It's just... I mean, I, I do enjoy... I lived in Santa Barbara. That's my one country. Yeah, but but Sonoma, yeah. there's something about Sonoma that yeah. I just love in the Pinot Noir. Lovely. I mean, I always say the word is lovely. Yeah. When you can... It's a, it's a wine you can drink without having to pair it with food. Mm-hmm. It's a wine that stands alone. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I find white burgundies the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. I, I am always looking for those like killer white burgundies. Like, like you said, even if it's like, I don't have, but like, even if it's like 75 bucks, but I know it's like 90% Shoshanya fruit. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah I'm yes. going to buy it. Yeah, that's because, right. Because, because I know the value is there, mm-hmm. right? right? There's um, so many of those secrets out there. Exactly. That people don't, you know, they don't know because. Like you said, it's branding, it's and, branding. Mar- and marketing. But wine is so intimidating for people, right. right? It is such an intimidating topic. And I find that with people around me, they they feel like I want everyone to blind taste. And I said, you're never wrong. <laughs> and I said, the, honestly, I kid you not, what you tell me when you smell it and what you taste it, you are going to be so accurate. And I've forgotten because I've done this for so long. You, you are actually educating me mm-hmm. and reminding me what is primary in this glass. And I, I love what I call virgin blind tasters. To me, they are the, the best blind tasters. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> what do I want to ask Diane before I let her go? Um, so, uh, one thing I do want to say, yes. and I talk about champagne problems, um, because I always talk about the brighter side of life, yeah. right? Because people, honestly, people don't want to hear about the woes and whatnot is David and I have worked for everything that we have. And I think that the first 20, so we've been married 34 years. um, The first 15 years, we worked our tails off to, I mean, we barely saw David. Um, I, it was impossible for me to have a career because then neither of us would ever see our children. Mm -hmm. We made incredible sacrifices. We went through 2008, 2009. A lot of people went through it, struggled through it. We came out the other side and we rebuilt. But there have been struggles. And I think that's why we have like this attitude about life now that we just have fun with it. We live on, you know, you see my Instagram. We um, were fortunate to, to live on the beach in Naples. And we did all that because of hard work. And it's something that we we were striving for. and But we still continue to sit at our desks all day long and keep this going with our five-year plan. And um, and hard work, really, really hard work does pay off. It's. I'm so glad you said that. I, <clears throat> I've had conversations, but literally today I was, I, I follow a lot of different people, but I follow this one entrepreneur and he works in the software as a service space and he's like 35. And literally his video today was, I don't know anybody who's ever gotten wealthy without working hard. Right. Like I think people right. there's there's this there's this thing where we love the lottery winner or the, the or like you know but even people even Zuckerberg dude worked like twenty hour days for right. like like people don't get like out of you, his garage yeah, or something. I mean you yeah. don't you you don't you're not going to be successful if you don't work hard. Right. That's just that's fun. Not saying you will be successful if you work hard, but you will never be successful no. if you don't work you're hard. You're more likely to yes, be successful right, right. if you but you have to love what you're doing. Yes, and that's why and that's that's what I that's what I'd say like um first of all it takes you know to become a corp- people corporate lawyers work freaking 90 hours a week. Yeah. Or more, yeah. right? So like, oh, he's a corporate lawyer. No, no, bro. Oh my God, no. He's he's on call for his clients. Exactly. Twenty four hours get a, a day. Chance. You know, when yeah. you're dealing with people who are like hundred millionaires and like, they, you, everybody, <laughs> hello, yeah, everybody I know who has done extremely well 
has, um, there's one or two exceptions through maybe inheritance or whatnot, but some of them, you know, take on what they've inherited with and continue to work hard for it. Right. Um, but they have worked that I've seen people come from nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing, living in their car, nothing, all the way to multi, multi millionaires because they, they're driven and they know what it takes and, you know. And then they make a wine. I mean, Kevin Hart was sleeping in his car. And he's there you like go. A busy man. Now there he you go. got a wine. It's fantastic. You know, fantastic. I mean, but, you know, I mean, just so many people, like, come on and say, I, dude, I busted my ass, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm I, yeah. to get where I'm at. Yeah. Um, it's exhausting. It, you know, it's, mm-hmm. but you do have to love it because otherwise it's, it's, oh, it, I it's just, a grind. This. How could you not love this? Thank you. I'm going to send you my white Pinot. I'm going to send you Cuvée Finn. And then obviously, and I'm sure we'll talk before that anyway. I'm sure we will. Yeah, yeah. I, I would hope so, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have to say, you had a recent guest talking about imposter syndrome. And, you know, I we all feel that, right? We all feel that. I feel. I as, can't believe I have this freaking podcast and people like send me messages. Oh, it's so great, MJ, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I'm grateful, but like people don't get like, that's another thing too. Like. It's whatever you do, you got to work hard at. Yeah. I'm able to have wonderful guests like you because I work at this craft. So, right. Well, Diane Carpenter. <laughs> oh, my God. What a pleasure. <laughs> you are, you are, uh, you are a wonderful woman, strong role model for women, your daughters. Thank um, you. And, that means uh, a lot. And um, thank you for, for giving, giving us some of your time here today. Anytime. And, um, you know, hope to uh, see you around campus, which is I call the wine life we live in. <laughs> yeah, trust me, there's now a connection. I mean, once yeah. you're nose deep in it, like we are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, I mean, there's no turning back. We're always stumbling over each other exactly, somewhere, you exactly. know. <laughs> and come out to Sonoma as well. Absolutely, I, we have mutual friends in Sonoma yeah. too. Oh, and I'd right. love to. I'm. I would love to introduce you to some great winemakers out there. Yeah. And I love that you know Greg Lafollette. Yeah. And they had Thatcher on here. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and really, really good people. You know. I've been. I thank you. I've been blessed. Um. Um. It's my mom. I get along with people because of her. So, um, people come on and people are generous and people recommend people. So thank you everybody and thank you everybody who's listening. Diane, tell everybody. Um, where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. Okay. If you um, go to my website, diancarpenter.org, you can fill out a submission form. We do sell out pretty quickly. Um, and um, we ship to California, New York, Florida, and Illinois. And we're working on Virginia right now. As our production grows, then we'll start shipping to other places, especially New Jersey, because I have a lot of clients in New Jersey, but they have places here. So yeah, that's what here. I have to do sometimes because... Yeah, ship it here. So and my yeah. friend's place. Yeah. yeah. Um, my and, producer's house. <laughs> and also, um, you know, I I just really love working with new clients. I have a lot of young women um, that, you know, they know my story and they try the wine and they, you know, and, and so it's just... it's. So much fun. It really, really is. So that's how you can get hold of me, diancarpenter.org. Perfect. So make sure you go to Diane Or on Instagram. Yes, at your at your, your wine, wine stylist. stylist. But actually, I would tell you, go to diancarpenter.org. Get on her mailing list. It's the best way to stay in touch with people if you really want right. to know what's going on with them. Right. Instagram will be going tomorrow, but diancarpenter.org will always be there. Right. Yeah. Right. So everybody, <clears throat> until the next time, it's your boy MJ. Uh, here's to our mavericks, our philosophers, our deep thinkers, 
and our wine drinkers. You've checked off all those boxes. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. 